What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 157 and session number 44 of Ask Scott. This is where I answer your questions here on the podcast. You submit them via voicemail, and then I listen to them, and then I'll do my best to answer them. So, hey, guys, welcome back, and thank you so much again for tuning in, uh, for spending some time with me, whether you're in the car, on the plane, on the run, in the train, wherever you are. Uh, thanks a lot for taking me along for the ride or the run or wherever. Uh, just want to say, I got a lot of cool things happening, man. I'm really, really excited uh, just about everything. I mean, uh, I, I recently announced that uh, I was doing a live event, and uh it's been really, really awesome. The time of recording this, which by then it will probably be sold out, but you can still check and see if there's any tickets available. But we're only having 30 people attend this small little intimate TAS live event. We're calling it TAS Breakthrough Live, and it's going to be in Denver, Colorado. I'm really excited about the feedback that I've gotten and just that people are going to be attending and just uh, we're going to be masterminding and doing hot seat sessions and all that good stuff. And I'm really, really pumped up if you couldn't uh, if you couldn't tell. Let me say that one more time. I'm really, really excited about this and I can't wait to uh, to meet everyone. Uh, so again, if you guys are interested in that, whether we have spots or not, we will be doing probably other ones in the future. So if you want to sign up to possibly attend an event in the future, head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash live and there'll be details there on whether there's any tickets available for this one or if there's uh, anything in the future we'll let you know on that as well so again i just want to say uh this this whole uh podcast thing has just been really amazing to me because i'm meeting so many awesome people and a lot of people say scott why do you keep doing it like you know you're you're helping so many people yeah but you know why are you doing it well there's there's a lot of different reasons i mean First off, I love talking about this stuff, so I could be sitting here just with one person and having the same kind of conversation, but I really do love hearing from people, whether it be email, whether it's I meet them in person or whatever. I just love doing it. Uh, When I do my live workshops, yes, I have a class. You guys all know by now that I do have a paid class and I have students in that class and that is awesome, right? We've got people that we're helping at more of an advanced level or, you know, the beginning stages, but they've got skin in the game. They've invested in themselves and all that, but I genuinely love helping people, period. Uh, And that's why I do this session here on Ask Scott, because I love listening to your voice and I love answering the questions. So keep them coming. If you guys have not left a, a voicemail yet, leave it, okay? Now, you may have sent one four weeks ago and I haven't gotten to it yet. I will get to it, uh, I promise, okay? So I'm gonna try to do as many of these as I can. They are coming in kind of quickly, but I try to go through and and make sure that I can get as many as I can uh, you know, in these episodes. And I try to do three to four on an episode, all right? So once again, I just wanted to say thank you for tuning in and uh, for hanging out. Now, if you guys are brand new, you know, my name is Scott Volker, welcome. Welcome to the podcast, and uh, you're uh, you're amongst a lot of really awesome people, and uh, that is the TAS community, uh, the TASers as we call ourselves, and uh, really, we just are all about taking action, and uh, that's what I want everyone to take away from this. A little funny story here, I'm, I'm having these shirts designed for our live event, and uh, the name of it, again, is TAS Breakthrough Live. Uh, and, uh, what we're doing is we, we, you know, we're having t-shirts made for everyone that attends and on the back of it, we're going to have a message, something like take action, 
2016, uh, something like that, right? So people behind you know that you take action, uh, but also that we're going to date it. So this way here, it's real, right? It's something that you stand by. And uh, I really want people that listen to this to be inspired, motivated, but also to get people to take action, whether it's kicking you in the butt to get you to move or just listening to, you know, my level of, you know, uh, excitement and just for this business and just for life in general. So anyway, I'm rambling. I know I'll stop. Let's go ahead and listen to the first question and I will give you my answer. Hi Scott, my name's Derek and uh, first of all, thank you for everything that you've done. I believe I started selling just two weeks into listening to your podcast and I've seen some great results. Um, so thank you for that. I have a question in regards to tracking inventory that has more than a thousand pieces in Amazon's warehouse. Um, I know that uh, with Amazon Tracker or even if I were to manually track it, if the seller has more than a thousand pieces, it'd be impossible to track. Um, I was wondering if there is a way to track these products um, manually or by software, whatever way, I'd really love to find out how many pieces these sellers are selling. And my second question is, um, if they're not trackable, uh, what are your thoughts on, on these products with so much inventory in Amazon's warehouse? Do you think Sellers are stocking them up in the warehouse because it's a good seller or um, what What do you think the, the case may be? I uh, would love to hear your thoughts on it. Please uh, let us know. And uh, once again, thank you very much for, for all that you do. Take care. Hey, Derek, what's up, man? Thank you so much for the question and congratulations, by the way, on taking action as we were just talking about and uh, yeah, getting out there and getting to it. So that's awesome. I'm really, really, uh, really glad uh, that you you sent this this uh, voicemail in, uh, not just with the question, but with uh, with that update. So that's really awesome. And congratulations uh, to answer your question. Okay, we're talking about uh, tracking your competitors and how many units we think that they're selling, which is pretty important, right? Now, some of you that are brand new or maybe you haven't heard the 999 trick, um, using air quotes, by the way, but it's, uh, it's where you can see how many pieces of inventory that a competitor has, okay? Now, by doing that, the way that this would work, and I'm just gonna run through this real quick because some of you that are listening might not have heard this and I just wanna kind of bring you up to speed quickly. So the way it works is if you go to your competitor and you go ahead and you click on add to cart, you add 999 units in there, it's going to come back and say something like, it may say, if it says that it can, it can, you, it can fulfill the order of 999, then they have more than a thousand units in stock. Okay. So this wouldn't work for that. And that's kind of what Derek's talking about. But let me just say that if, if it comes back, which most of the time it will, depending on, you know, what kind of competition you have, but it will say something like, sorry, we only have 750 units left in stock. So you might do that at 12 o'clock lunchtime, let's say 12 o'clock in the afternoon. The following day, you're going to do the exact same thing, and then you're going to see how many they have left. And they might say, sorry, we only have 725 units in stock. So you know in a 24-hour period, they sold 25 units, right? So if they have more than a 1,000 pieces in stock, this won't work because they'll be able to fulfill those 999 units, right? So here's the deal. Jungle Scout. 
A lot of you already know about Jungle Scout. Well, this does this for you. Now, Jungle Scout, Jungle Scout, I can't even talk, Jungle Scout, Jungle Scout doesn't just take in the, uh, you know, the rule of saying, like, how many do you have in inventory? What it does is it measures, okay, it measures different data points by BSR. So it has other products that have BSRs, okay, so think about this for a second. I don't want to confuse you, but the way it works is, let's say, for example, you're in a category and the BSR is 3,000, but your competitor doesn't have or has uh, more than 1,000 units. You can't really see how many are being sold to have a BSR of 3,000, but maybe you have three other people that are in your category that are selling, okay, not necessarily your product, but are selling in your category, and let's say they're around the 3,000 mark, well, now Jungle Scout can see that they do have inventory, and then from there, they can go ahead and give that estimate, so they kind of know by BSR how many are selling in that category. Now, if that was too confusing, don't worry about it. Just understand that Jungle Scout doesn't just look at inventory in stock on one particular product. What it does is it tracks the BSR, which they know what a BSR is or how many are selling at a BSR for that category. So then it can take and calculate what that particular product is selling approximately. All right. So I go back to if you do not own Jungle Scout, it's probably one of the the uh, most important tools in the beginning, especially to own. All right. Now there's two different versions of Jungle Scout. There's one, the Chrome extension. That's what we're talking about here. And then they also have the web app and the web app is more of a discovery slash tracking tool. Okay. But we're talking about the Chrome extension right now. Now, if you, again, if you don't own that, that would be my first piece of software that I would invest in. Okay. It's not that expensive. And if you uh, go through my affiliate link, you'll actually get uh, $10 off. All right. So little plug there for Jungle Scout and for buying me a cup of coffee. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, you can head over to the amazing seller.com forward slash J. S, and that is J as in jungle, S as in scout, and you can go there. You can also go over to the episode I did with Greg, episode 56, and again, that is theamazingseller.com forward slash 56, and a little teaser alert here, I just interviewed Greg again. He'll be coming back on the show. We're going to be talking all about you know, things in 2016 about product research, if anything's changed, what we're looking at, how Jungle Scout has improved, what it's doing differently, some different features, all of that fun stuff. He's coming back on to really uh, dig into uh, the product research stage. So we'll be talking more about this. And we just had a really great conversation. It was almost like we recorded it as we were just having our own conversation, which I love doing it that way because there's nothing scripted or anything. We just talk about the process and talk about, you know, the different things that we are doing now than, you know, differently than we did in the beginning and all that good stuff. So, uh, really great conversation. So look forward to that one. All right. So depending on when this is aired, uh, it may already be out, but if not, then you're going to have to wait for it and it's going to be a good episode. I promise you. All right. So hopefully Derek, that's answered your question. Uh, you can do the nine, nine, nine trick. If you can't do that, then you need a tool that will allow you to see the BSR and know what that BSR is in that category for, uh, you know, the amount of sales that are coming through there. So hopefully that's made sense. So let's go ahead and listen to the next question. And of course, I'll give you my answer. Hey, Scott, Jeff here from Virginia. Got a question about shipping from your house to Amazon. Now, in episode 130, Ask Scott Session 35, you mentioned at the beginning that you had UPS come to your house to pick up a bunch of boxes that you were, that you were sending off to Amazon. My question is, 
do you have a UPS account, like maybe on their website, ups.com, that you that you go into to notify them to come to your house to pick up the boxes? So I'm sure it's a lot easier than trying to jam 46 boxes into your car or truck or whatever and taking them to the UPS store or something. Uh, also, a follow-up question, I guess, would be your printing setup for your shipping labels on your boxes. Like, do you have like a fancy laser printer, or how do you get that done? So that's basically what I wanted to know. And I also want to say thanks a lot for what you do. You're teaching a lot of people. You're inspiring us and giving us all something to be excited about. So thanks a lot. You've been helping me out since March, back when I found your podcast. I listened to probably about eight or nine episodes in the car while I was driving home for six hours in the snow. So you really helped me out there. So I appreciate it. And uh, that's it. I'll see you on the next episode. Take care, and I'm going to keep taking action over here. Bye. Hey, Jeff, thanks so much for the question, and thanks for being a listener. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, this is a, another good question, and uh, I, yeah, I guess I wasn't too clear on that particular answer that day or you know that response, uh, but yeah, you're going to uh, set up your own UPS account. Now, this doesn't have to be this big, major business account. It can be your personal account. It doesn't have to be a business account, but- Super easy to do. I set it up in minutes and then instantly I was able to just go ahead and create a pickup order. Uh, that's really all you're doing. So anyone listening right now, what uh, Jeff is talking about is, you know, I had probably about at that time over 20 or 30, maybe even 40 boxes. And rather than loading up the car, right, or the truck and loading it up with these boxes and then send, you know, bringing them over to, Am- or to Amazon, to uh, UPS and then lugging them in. You know, one at a time. It's different. If you have three, four boxes and you want to do that, that's fine. But if you have a bunch, you know, you just got an order and you want to ship that in, then yeah, you're going to want to have a pickup. Uh, now, you can also schedule a good buddy of mine, Danny Brewery, which you guys have maybe heard of before. I've had him on the show a few times. Good friend of mine. You know, he has them come once a week. Uh, because he always has, uh, you know, orders gonna, you know, going out. So he just basically has them come once a week. And I believe he pays a monthly fee for that. Now, it's not that expensive to just do an order. So let's just say you wanted to just, you know, create one order. I think it's up to like 15 boxes and it's like 10 bucks. It's like not that much. So yeah, if, if you're going to have a bunch of boxes, you know, over like, you know, five or 10, depending on how big they are, of course, then yeah, go to UPS, create yourself a free account. And then uh, go ahead and, you know, create that pickup order and then they'll pick it up the following day. If you're not home, you can just leave them on the front porch and just put a note there that they're going to be ready. And uh, then they'll go ahead and pick them up and then off they go. You're done. So, yeah, that's a that's an easy way for you to do it. And really, honestly, for that price, it's it's not that bad. Now, I wouldn't have them come out for one box, right? That would kind of be silly because then you're going to, I think the minimum that you're going to pay is between, I don't know, seven and $10 or something like that. So yeah, it's a little added cost, but if you have one box, that could be, you know, that could be an extra, you know, 30, 40, 50 cents a unit. And at that point you might already want to try to shave your cost down. So it just needs to make sense for me. I think at that, on that order, it was like two or 3000 units. So I took, you know, $10 $10 that it cost me. I think it was like $9 and some change for some reason. But let's just say it was 10 bucks. I could take that and spread that 10 bucks out over two or 3,000 units. It comes out to pennies. So it doesn't even make sense for me to do it myself. All right. So hopefully that's answered your question. Good luck to you and uh, congratulations on uh, shipping product into Amazon. That means you're taking action and uh, you're getting getting this thing going. So that's awesome. So 
Congratulations. All right, let's go ahead, listen to another question, and I'll give you my answer. Hi, Scott. This is Viola and Steffen from Germany, currently located in Mexico. Uh, my microphone uh, is not very great, but I still hope you're going to answer my question. Anyhow, we love your podcast, listen to it every day. And now we're currently working on setting up our pay-per-click campaign. And we're just wondering, what's the conversion rate in your experience? Like, if I buy a click for 75 cents, how uh, likely is it for this pe person to actually buy the product? Um, because normally in the internet, we have a conversion rate of maybe like 1% to 3%. I guess on Amazon, it's much higher. But what's, what's your experience? Looking forward to your answer. And thank you very much for the podcast. Hey, Fiola, thank you so much for the question from Germany, from Mexico. <laughs> You're all over the place. That's awesome. Thank you so much again for the question. And uh, let's give a let's give a shout out to the dog in the background barking. Big dog. Is that a big dog? It sounds like a big dog. Uh, my dog, you know, barks, but, you know, he's probably about a 30 pound dog. He's not that big. Sometimes he sounds a little bit bigger, but man, your dog sounds like he's about an 80 pounder. That's a good sized dog right there. Anyway, uh, yeah, I want to answer your question here on the pay-per-click. And this is going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be an easy question to answer because really there's, there's no exact number that we can say that we can expect for conversions, but I am going to give you my thoughts on this. Okay. Cause it is a process. Amazon pay-per-click is a process and it's a process that's going to be constantly being tweaked, constantly being massaged and, and really worked. Okay, now I did a post with Chris Schaefer that is episode 119, so visit 119 if you want like a strategy to really get set up quickly and then from there also start looking at the data because it's all about data, it's going to be data driven. Now, and that is episode 119, so let me just give you the link to that, that's theamazingseller.com forward slash 119 and uh, you'll have everything right there as far as pay-per-click goes and kind of like our strategy moving forward right now currently with all of the new updates and stuff, okay? But you talked about conversions, okay? And conversions, yes, they can range all over the place depending on a lot of different things and that's what I kind of want to bring up because if you have a brand new listing and you have very few reviews and everyone else that you're going up against has a lot of reviews or a lot more than you anyways, you know, you are going to convert lower. Most likely you're going to convert lower because if you're, you know, having people visit or not just visit, but search for your product, they're going to look at reviews, not just look at what people said, but how many reviews. And that does make people feel more comfortable to make that to make that purchase, all right? Now, that doesn't mean you can't still get sales with low reviews, okay? You still can. It's just you can increase your conversion. So what is typically a good conversion rate? Well, in Amazon, I would say a good conversion rate, or I, I should say a basic conversion rate would be 10%, okay? That'd be low, okay? Now, moving forward, as you can increase that, I've heard people get as high as 20 to 30%, depending on the category, depending on the market, and all of that stuff. I don't think everyone should think they're going to get a 30% conversion. I think if you get between 12 and 18%, that would be really good. Now, think about that for a second to everyone listening. For every 100 visitors you get to your listing, 
you can have 15 or 18 sales, that's pretty incredible. And if you can increase that by even a percent or two, that's an extra one or two sales for the same traffic. And that's where conversion comes in, you know, and really, you know, it, it helps you, uh, or I guess optimization and having reviews and all that stuff. That's really where it can help you convert. Because the other thing is, is if you have people coming to your listing and then leaving your listing without buying, that can also hurt your conversions. All right. So, my advice here for anyone just starting, I would ease into the pay-per-click. I would work on doing a giveaway so I can get some reviews going, some honest, ethical, you know, unbiased reviews, you know, get a trusted source. And then from there, I would then start running pay-per-click a little bit more heavy. Okay. That's my strategy moving forward. But to say, what do I think that you should, you know, say is good, uh, you know, for your product, who knows, you know, the categories are all different, but like I said, if you're getting between 10 and 18% or even like 12 and 18% somewhere in there, it's a good, that's a good, uh, percentage. Uh, but if you're getting lower than that, if you're getting like five or four, then there's probably a problem there. And that problem could be reviews. It could be your ad copy. It could be your picture, um, all of that stuff. Now, I've always told people, you know, if you're, even if you're advertising on pay-per-click, the number one thing that's going to get someone's attention really is your placement and the image. Like that's the first thing, right? Then you kind of, you know, scroll over to the review. So if you're just, if you're doing a search for a garlic press, you see the organic search and then you see maybe your ad on top or if it's placed on the side, if it's on those locations, you're usually going to see the image and then your eye is going to move to the review. That's just the way that our brain is wired, right? Then if we, if we get that click now, because those two things are, are in line, now someone clicks on that, now they get into your listing, now you have a chance for them to buy. But then when they get inside, they're going to start thinking about it, they're going to start looking around, looking at your bullets, make sure they're benefit driven, and then from there, you're also going to look at the reviews. And then that's going to be a conversion mechanism. So these are things that we want to improve over time. And I know we're talking about pay-per-click, but really, you can throw all the pay-per-click at it you know, at, at your uh, listing that you want, but as long as you don't have, or if, if you have these things in place is what I'm trying to say, you're going to have a better chance to convert. Okay. So hopefully that makes sense. And I would definitely recommend checking out that episode, uh, 119. That is, uh, theamazingseller.com forward slash 119. Check that out for a little refresher and also to give you a strategy moving forward to get started in using pay per click. All right. Hopefully that's been helpful. Thanks for listening and go take care of that dog. Uh, all right. So, uh, let's go ahead and listen to another question and I'll give you my answer. Hey, Scott. My name's Dan contacting you from London in the UK. Uh, first of all, I'd just like to say thank you um, to you for all the content that you put out and your consistency in doing so. It's been an amazing help to me in, in launching products on Amazon. Um, and secondly, I just had a question around pay-per-click reports. Now, I've been running a broad match uh, campaign uh, for about a couple of months now. And I'm at a point where I want to start to run a phrase match and even exact match campaigns. But I wondered if you can let me know or let us know the criteria that you would look upon in a broad match campaign uh, in order to strip out those keywords and put them into a phrase match or exact match campaign. Now, would we be looking for things like um, high clicks or low clicks or um, the percentage of click through rate or um, a, a low ACOS percentage? Um, yeah, so it just really wanted to understand what we would be looking for in order to strip out those keywords. Um, yeah, it would be great to hear your feedback on this. 
and um, I look forward to it. And again, thank you so much for all that you do and uh, look forward to your reply. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, Dan from the UK. What is going on all the way from the UK? That is amazing. Every time I, I answer questions or even on my live workshops and we connect from people all over the world, it's just awesome. And uh, I, I mentioned in the beginning how I love doing the podcast. That's another reason. I love being able to connect with people from all over the world. So Dan, thank you so much for representing in London. <laughs> all right. All right. So yeah, another pay-per-click question. We can talk about this all day long, I think, uh, but we're not going to. I'm going to kind of break this down for you in simple terms. And also, I don't think we should be overcomplicating it. Uh, there's you know, people that, you know, they, they really do take pay-per-click seriously, and I think that you should, but I also think that you can overcomplicate the process sometimes, especially when you're first starting. So what I want to do here is just kind of give you, again, the, uh, you know, the, the easiest way to break it down and to get started and to start looking at these numbers and then from there deciding what to do with these results, okay? So the very first thing is, is you're right, you're going to run that broad term, okay, or an auto campaign or a broad search. Both of them are going to give you the data that you want. And the data that we want right now is we want to see keywords that are actually being keyed in by our customers, okay? We want to know exactly what people are searching for, okay? Because we can guess all we want, but until we see the actual keyed in searches that were done and performed by our customer, we don't really know for sure, okay? So before I would ever want to run an exact match on anything, I would want to know the exact search term that someone is searching for, and I'd want to make sure that I had conversions on that, okay? So the very first step in this process is to run the auto campaign and to run a broad match uh, campaign of keywords that you think, I'm using air quotes, that you think are the keywords that people are searching for, okay, or that are searching your product for, or maybe even taking the ones out of your competitors' titles and bullet points and all that stuff and putting them in there. I mean, pretty much when you're getting started, you kind of know a handful of keywords that you think that uh, your customer is going to be searching for. So you put them in that broad match, okay? And broad means exactly that. They're gonna be relevant to that, but they're not gonna be exact. They can be all over the place. You might put one keyword in for broad, and you might get 20 different different uh, keywords that were uh, sent to you or the searches that were sent to you because of that one broad search that you did, okay? And the way that you find this is go into your reports, and then you go ahead and you look at the numbers, okay, or the, not the numbers, the data, which are, there's numbers there too, but there's keywords, that's what, that's what we're looking for, and you can see the campaigns, and then you can see the keyword. So for example, if it was garlic press, and that's your broad term, you might get something that says in there, black handle long garlic press, you know, hard material or something, or hard surface, or something just really obscure, that you know you would never be able to guess, okay? But that was keyed in. But if you only get one of those, I don't really think we need to pay too much attention to that. But if you start to see repeatedly the keyword that keeps coming up that you didn't put in, it's just in the broad term, but it keeps coming up and you're getting impressions on that, okay? So we wanna look at the searches, we wanna see how many searches come in at that keyword, we wanna start seeing the impressions that are done with that, and then more importantly, we wanna see the clicks. Okay, because we can get all the impressions we want, but if no one clicks on our ad, then we either have something that doesn't align to that particular search or we have a conversion problem, which we just talked about. Okay, so for example, if you're selling a garlic press, now you have garlic and press in that keyword, but for a broad term, you might show up for lemon press. 
Well, if someone clicks on that by accident and they land on your on your listing, do you think that they're going to buy that? Probably not. They're not looking for a garlic press. They're looking for a lemon press, okay? But by looking at the data, we can see some of these, these different terms. You can even see misspellings. If you see that your your uh, your uh, product is kind of hard to spell, you might see a very common theme here that people are always smel- spelling it, smelling it, spelling it the wrong way. Today I'm just talking so fast I can't get my lips to work. Uh, so you know, so you're going to be able to see this stuff. Now, once we start to see over time that there's stuff that's happening with this keyword or these keywords over and over again, and we're starting to get clicks and we're starting to get sales, then we can start to take those and pull them out of that broad match campaign and put them into a phrase match campaign. And we can call them our top 100 or our top 1000, all right? And then when it's put into a phrase, now we're not gonna come up with as as many variations of that, but we're going to need that phrase to be in the keyword. So that will whittle it down and it'll make it more focused, but it won't make it so focused that it has to be an exact match. It just has to be, the phrase has to be in the keyword, all right? Now, after we do that for a little while and we start to see like there's a keyword that starts getting a lot of impressions, it starts getting a lot of clicks, and it starts getting a lot of sales, now we can take that keyword bring it over to an exact match campaign, and then we want to take that keyword, bring it back into the other campaign, and put it in as a negative keyword, or just pause it in general, because that way there we're not competing against each other, if that makes sense. I I hope that wasn't too complicated. But really, we just want to pull that phrase match out of there, and we want to put it then into an exact match. Then we want to run a budget against that that keyword and see if it still performs the same, okay? Because you don't really want to do an exact match until you know that that's a, a converting keyword. At least that's what I do, okay? So it might stay in a phrase match for four or six weeks until I get enough data back, okay? Um, because even though you're doing the phrase match in garlic press, let's say, you might be getting a lot of other variations from using that as a broad term. It's kind of like a keyword that triggers all of these other miscellaneous keywords that are also getting you traffic. And then once you start to see a pattern, then you can move it into an exact. All right. So hopefully that's been helpful. Uh, again, there's no really like exact formula other than looking at the data and you don't want to start pulling out a phrase and put it into an exact until you think in your in your own you know you know your own mind and in your own data evaluation is to see if that keyword is converting not just getting clicks because here's the other thing if you're getting a lot of impressions and a lot of clicks but you're not getting the sales that's a bad conversion you know ratio so that could hurt you for ranking in the future for that keyword as well so you don't want that to happen either okay so that can have a negative effect All right. So again, what I want to stress here, though, with anyone listening about pay-per-click, start slow, start to look at the data and just keep working at it slow and steady and start to trim and start to tweak and massage the campaign. Okay. Or the campaigns. But I always start, always start. I always do with an auto campaign and then a handful of keywords in a manual. And then I also do a suggested keyword. So I have like three campaigns that start the process and then I'll start looking at the data. All right. So hopefully that's been helpful. And uh, yeah, I think that's it, guys. That's going to wrap up this episode of Ask Scott. Keep the questions coming. Go over to theamazingseller.com forward slash ask and do just that. Ask a question and uh, I'll 
try to air it on, on an upcoming show. I would love to hear from you. Tell me your name and where you're calling from or tuning in from, and that would be really awesome as well. What I do want to do here is quickly remind you guys, if you are brand new in this and you're just hearing of the podcast and you're just hearing about this private label thing, I have a couple of resources for you. One of them is I have a free private label course, okay? And you can head over to freeprivatelabelcourse.com and you can sign up for that, okay? It's a 10-day free course that walks you through step-by-step on what to do in this process. The other thing that you can do that I've given you or that I'm giving you is also a live free workshop, which I do on a regular basis, and you can register for an upcoming one by heading over to theamazingseller.com forward slash workshop. And what I do there is I'll go through the five phases for picking your product, for sourcing your product, launching all that good stuff and some pay-per-click stuff. And then I answer live Q&A as well. So if you want to head over there and register for an upcoming one, that would be awesome. We can hang out just like this, but more on a one-on-one basis in a sense. Okay. So anyway, guys, that's going to wrap it up. I've talked long enough here. Get on with your day, get out there, take action. I'm supposed to say that in the end, but I'm going to say it again. So guys, remember, I'm here for you. I believe in you. I'm rooting for you, but you have to, you have to. Come on, say it with me. Say it loud. Say it proud. Take action. Have an awesome, amazing day, and I'll see you in the next episode.